Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Are you looking for the perfect gift this holiday season? Look no further than the Astros Holiday Gift Guide. Give the gift of unforgettable moments throughout the year with Buddy's Club memberships, 2024 season tickets, and tickets to the 2024 Texas Children's Houston Open. And don't forget to gear up in style at the Astros Team Store. From jerseys to caps, we've got you covered. So this holiday season, hit a home run with the Astros Holiday Gift Guide. Head to astros.com slash gift guide to do your holiday shopping today. Astroline, the official off-season hot stove show for your Houston Astros. And hey, welcome to Astroline. I'm Steve Sparks along with Jeff Blum. The analysts get to do the show today. Good to have you with us, Jeff. Yep. They, they handed over the reins to, to the a, inmates. To a couple of amateurs. In every sense of the word. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk with one of the all-time best closers during this uh, Astroline. It's not always easy to go out there in the ninth inning. We've seen it time and time again where... Guys are great in the seventh inning. Guys are great in the eighth inning. But when you put them in the ninth inning, there's no safety net. Yeah, and that's where the conversation with Billy Wagner got kind of fun. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the mentality of that closer, and he willingly just opened up and said, you know, this is how I felt every time I went out there. And I felt that as a player playing behind Billy Wagner. When he came into the game, I played with some very good closers. I got to play with Trevor Hoffman. Wow. There were only a couple of guys where they came in and you went, all right. Game We're over. done. This is it. Yeah. And it felt much like the 2017 season when you had the, you know, the 7th, 8th, and 9th were locked up and the game was over. Yeah. And that feeling doesn't happen very often, but it was nice to hear Billy actually open up and talk about it at the, at, you know, looking back on his career. All right. We got a great show. Coming up, two segments with Billy Wagner, one of the best closers of all time. Uh, that's back with more on Ashline right after this. Memberships for the 2024 Buddies Club presented by HEB are on sale now. Children 12 and under will receive tickets to select Astros games during the 2024 season. A reversible bucket hat, backpack, socks, and lanyard. Plus the opportunity to be selected for exclusive Buddies Club experiences, including the chance to meet Houston Astros players, all for only $40. Don't miss your chance to be part of the club today. Visit astros.com buddies to join. Ever wanted to be a member of the Coca-Cola Shooting Stars team? Now's your chance. Auditions for the 2024 squad will take place December 1 through December 3rd. Learn more and register to audition today at astros.com slash shooting stars. Get ready to swing into the offseason and show off your Space City pride by visiting the Astros Centerfield Team Store. From jerseys and caps to gifts and collectibles and everything in between, we've got everything you need to keep your passion burning bright this offseason. Stop by the Centerfield Team Store Monday through Saturday for the ultimate retail experience. View our team store hours and find out more information at astros.com slash team store. We are back. I am Jeff Blum and I'm joined with Steve Sparks and this is Astro Line. Billy Wagner, future Hall of Famer. And Billy, I got to ask you this. You're still coaching. I imagine you're throwing about an hour's worth of batting practice every single day. Am I right? 
I'm going to be honest with you. I, I have splurged and got a few machines since getting close to that 50. So, <laughs> so I have a lot, I have more coaches and I start to kind of delegate a little bit more, but uh, I still do my, my fair share of throwing. And that's about the only thing that doesn't hurt. It's uh, throwing. Yeah. I, I feel I can throw forever. It's everything else hurts. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about your professional career, career in a little bit, but I'm always curious, you know, you, you coaching some of these high school kids and being around the club aspect of baseball these days, which has changed completely for all three of us. You know, it's a completely different animal, but you were a guy that could throw a hundred miles an hour. How many of your players or even players on other teams who know who you are approach you and say, Billy, how do I throw a hundred miles an hour? Mm-hmm. Less than you'd think. Really? Uh, yeah. And most guys, most, uh, most kids, uh, most kids have gurus. Most kids have gurus <laughs> nowadays. That, that great they, name. They, I, I, they will. And, and, you know, and I think a lot of that's because when you, when you have a guru, you pay him. And what's that pay? What's that guy going to say? So he's not going to tell you anything you don't want to hear. Coach Wagner will. And so they, they will, they, they don't, uh, and you know me, I'm pretty straight and, you know, I try to be, you know, I'm not going to crush a kid's dreams or anything, but I, I but the kids, you know, I'm going to say, Hey, things have got, <laughs> things have got, you know, this, these are things that, you know, I did, but I mean, you know, as you know, being in a locker room, you're with a bunch of freaks. And I mean, you don't know why they're able to do the things they're doing. I don't know why I'm five ten and can throw as hard as I could, but I mean, this is what I did. And so, you know, when you talk to Nolan or when you talk to uh, some of these older players, they did things that none of us ever did. I mean, nobody did a heavy ball. Nobody did uh, bands and all this. I mean, there's a 45-minute routine to these kids nowadays. And so uh, they, don't, they don't come up as much. They, uh, you know, I think they're, they're a little bit more impressed when I go out and throw BP and I'm throwing from the mound. And they're like, oh, God, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Way better movement. You still got that short arm action that just pumps it in there, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And so, uh, you know, they'll laugh because I'll come in and I'll put my cleats on. I'll go, all right, guys, let's go. You got me today. And so, you know, and they, they're like, what? And, you know, you know, it's not as hard as it used to be, but for about the first four or five years, I would tone it up and go, here we go. And I would, I would guess them guys would just be, you know, and so the machine was a little bit more friendly for them and stuff. And so, but I mean, you know, playing long toss and watching these guys, they still get an idea of what I'm trying to teach and stuff. So, but it, but it is, I mean, it, it has changed a lot for us, but uh, in a lot of good ways. The, everything you've accomplished in the game, what motivated you to get back into coaching? I know your kids are probably part of it, what, but you're really in it and really encouraging these kids. What was it about the game and what is it about coaching that you love so much? Well, I was blessed to have two coaches. Uh, well, I had a lot of coaches, but my high school coach, Luke Perry, was just a huge influence on me. And, and, and understanding that, you know, it's about the kid, not not the wins and losses. My college coach, Abe Naff, was a huge influence on just being a motivator and, and teaching kids how to play, you know, not with numbers, but to win, to, to win the game. And so uh, and going through pro baseball, it was, uh, you know, you become very selfish you become, and you, you forget how hard this game is a lot of times. And so once I got out, I said, you know what, <clears throat> I'm going to go back and I'm going to relax and I'm going to teach these kids. I just want these kids to have fun, but I want them to play with a passion and understand the game and, you know, not be so worried about wins and losses. The, the process of winning and losing will come with how you practice, how you go about your, your job and, and your accountability. And so just really preaching that and not really browbeating a kid over, you know, not getting a hit or because I tell them, you're going to take bad swings, you're going to make bad pitches, you're going to make good pitches. All these things are going to happen, but, you know, compete. Learn how to compete and don't look back at numbers. Don't sit here and 
please don't come in and ask me what your pitch count is or what your spin rate or what my launch angle was on that. Just, just <laughs> hey, if you got a hit, great. If you're on base, great. If you got that guy out and there's a line drive, great. I said, because at the end of the day, that's what matters and you're trying to win. And so, but the game in that aspect has changed too because the colleges have put a lot of emphasis on size and maturity and IQ that some of these kids don't get because they're a little late bloomers. And so, you know, I try to take a little bit of that pressure off and just say, hey, oh, that'll take care of itself by just going out and competing. And, you know, and I enjoy the kids. I enjoy the relationships with the kids because there's so much more to being a high school coach than going out there and saying, hey, hold the ball this way, grip it that way. I mean, they have so much going on in their life with family, co uh, colleges, uh, girlfriends, you name it. And having having just a little bit of influence to kind of smooth out or have somebody just they can sound on and not, you know, not be judgmental on them, they, they, they feel better about that. And so I like that because my high school coach and college coach was really a lot like that for me. And so, we, you know, we've been very blessed to have a lot of great kids come in. And, uh, but it's been good to have that relationship. Billy, why do you think baseball is the ultimate late bloomer sport? It's just, it's not a size requirement. I mean, uh, it's about production and, com and competing. Uh, and I think when you go out there, uh, there's been enough guys that show that you don't have to have a certain size. You have to have a certain grit about you to be able to compete. And competing, uh, you know, once again, isn't a size requirement. It's a heart requirement. And, you know, if you've got the requirement, if you can go out there and manage your emotions and compete and, and fight for that, you you can play against these guys. I mean, you know, when you watch ESPN, all you see is these guys hitting home runs. You only see them hitting home runs, but then you look in the box scores and they were one for four with three punch outs, but they hit a home run. They, you, they don't see that. And so kids are like, Oh, these guys are so great. I got to be this. And, you know, and it's just, it's, you know, it's really difficult to show these kids that, and, and I tell these kids, I will never be the guy that goes, you'll never play pro baseball. Cause I said, I, I was very fortunate. I had, my coaches were very positive with me, but, there, there were people around sitting there going, you can't do this. You're not going to do that. You're too little. I mean, there was a, there was a uh, scout for the Astros. And I mean, and um, I guess Strami might know him. His name was Paul Weaver. I was in Salt Lake City and he, he was behind me and he reached over my shoulder and goes, Hey, I just want to let you know that I didn't want to draft you. You're too small. You're, you're not going to be durable. And I said, well, I appreciate that. Thanks. And that was a positive for me because that was just motivation. But you know, most kids today, they can't handle that. Um, and so, you know, I got, you know, those are things, these kids today need motivation. They need the encouragement, but they need, they need grit. And, you know, and I, I like being that guy. Billy, when, uh, you were playing in, uh, in high school and going through the collegiate levels, when did you actually realize that you had that kind of velocity in your left arm? I, I wasn't very good at man knowing who I was. I, I, you know, of course you have people say, Hey, you throw hard and you do this, uh, you know, I had strikeouts, but you know, you always had, I'm left-handed. I was, I was effectively wild. Uh, I mean, I really didn't know what I was doing. Uh, it it kind of, I don't know if I ever thought I was good enough. I think that was one of the things that kind of drove me is, I mean, Motivation. I know what numbers say and I know what things, but you, you know, there's a point where numbers, numbers become a target. And so you, and a bullseye on you. And so, you know, I never thought about how hard I threw. I, everybody else would like, to tell me, I mean, you of all people know that throwing hard, it still travels a long way. I mean, you took me deep. I mean, David Eckstein <laughs> took me deep. I mean, I, it, it, you know, it was really for me, I, I never, I, I was never comfortable in my own skin with that because it only takes one reporter to go, Hey, you're a thrower. 
And all of a sudden you go, how about crush your dreams real quick? Those were the things that really hard. I mean, and I had those guys because I was, I was a pitcher in 2010. I was a thrower in, in 95, 96. And, you know, until I realized that, you know, you can't throw uh, Vinny Castillo straight fastballs the whole time. It just doesn't work. <laughs> no, you can't. No, he can hit. The, he can hit the cheese. A lot of guys get to the big leagues and the ability to be able to hit the cheese. But you actually, you know, you spent your career as a closer. But you also talked a little bit about being a starter and then moving to the closer. You know what? When you know what made that decision for you? Was it the velocity or was it the, just the ability to get the swing and miss? Because your swing and miss numbers that we'll talk about in a little bit are off the charts in comparison to guys who are in the Hall of Fame. When I was starting, you know, I, I, I didn't like starting because I had one day. I liked the day I started, and that was it. Uh, but I didn't have this huge mixture of, of pitches. It was fastball. And, I mean, Jerry Goff was my – and, and Stromy were my manager, and Jerry Goff was my catcher. And they would tell me, okay, you got to throw 10% change-ups in, you know, in your starts. And, I mean, we, me and Jerry would throw 10 change-ups in the first inning. All right, we're good. Here <laughs> Get we go. them out of the way. <laughs> yeah, but, but it was, you know, uh, let's do what I do and best. And um, and at that time, you know, there wasn't a lot of guys throwing hard. I mean, there was hard guys, but then there wasn't guys throwing 100 miles an hour. There wasn't lefties that were, you know, 5'10 throwing hard uphill. Those were those were different things that people hadn't seen. And, I, uh, you know, I, I learned more about my control and ability as I started through the minor leagues. But, Getting the getting the opportunity to close was probably the best thing. I mean, and Larry Durker was a huge influence on that because I was uh, I, I went to Puerto Rico to work on starting and in '96, uh, and he ends up taking over in that '97, and at, he comes down and you know he's got a big cigar and he's sitting there with Matt Galani and he goes he's asking me what I want to do. Would you want to close or would you want to start? And I'm like I want to close. He goes all right, that sounds good. You and Hudak will be co-closers. So, I mean, it's pretty that was how it was. And so I, um, you know, and it, and, and it kind of worked out who Hootie was pitching. Well, I think he got hurt and, and then it just kind of fell on me a little bit, but I mean, it, it was, it was just, uh, I, I enjoyed having to be ready every day. It was, you know, as I got older, it got more stressful, but, and it was just that constant preparation. I enjoyed that. But I, I liked closing way better than starting. All right. We're talking with Billy Wagner. Uh, he's a high school coach, maybe a future Hall of Famer. We'll talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame votes uh, when we come back on Astroline right after this. Are you looking for the perfect gift this holiday season? Look no further than the Astros Holiday Gift Guide. Give the gift of unforgettable moments throughout the year with Buddy's Club memberships, 2024 season tickets, and tickets to the 2024 Texas Children's Houston Open. And don't forget to gear up in style at the Astros Team Store. From jerseys to caps, we've got you covered. So this holiday season, hit a home run with the Astros Holiday Gift Guide. Head to astros.com slash gift guide to do your holiday shopping today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Membership for the 2024 Buddies Club presented by HEB on sale now. Children 12 and under will receive tickets to select 2024 Astros games, a reversible bucket hat, backpack, socks, and a lanyard. 
Plus, you get the opportunity to be selected to meet Astros players, all for just $40. Be part of the club today at Astros.com slash buddies. Astroline, the official off-season hot stove show for your Houston Astros. We love Billy Wagner. and I, Billy, there is a rise in votes, and you're trending the right way. What would the Hall of Fame induction mean to you? I think it's hard to put into words because it's just something I think every player wants. I mean, there's no doubt when you watch the Hall of Fame uh, inductions and you see uh, the guys up there, I mean, I, everybody's practiced that induction speech. Oh, yeah. I've practiced that thing a million times. Just just what's that sound like? What would that feel like? Because you know what? Whatever I practice ain't going to come out when I get on there. I'm going to be a ball of tears and emotion. So it's – but, I, you know – to be able to sit there and look around and go, you know, there's Barry Larkin, there's she's, there's Nolan Ryan, there's Sandy Koufax. These guys that have been there, I, I think that is. It's hard to fathom, isn't it? You know, when you've, when you've come from um, welfare to middle, humble, middle class to humble you know, beginnings. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, those aren't things you think about. And then when, I mean, when I grew up, I mean, every guy that was on TV, they were millionaires. They had to have silver spoons. They, you, they, it was just, until you realize and mature that, you know, you know, getting that break and doing something with that, that moment, you know, that was, uh, I think, you know, getting 300 saves was like, if you get 300 saves, Hey, there's a real shot here, you know, 400, you should have no problem. And then, you know, then, then you get that. And then, then the real hard part comes because now, you know, that the numbers aren't the issue for what's why things are what they are. I mean, so, you know, everything's politically correct. <laughs> and unfortunately, I'm not a politically correct person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I it's nice timing too, right? Well, yeah, Mo and Trevor screwed it up for everybody. Right, exactly. They not retire and quit or lose. They, they killed it for everybody. Yeah. So, but, 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 I mean, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, been a, it's been a blast. You idolize Nolan Ryan. And I would imagine the first time you got a chance to meet him, one of the things that probably endeared you to Nolan was how humble he was because of, of your personality. Is that, is that right? Well, it was, he, he made his debut in pro ball in my hometown. Really? I mean, Marion, Virginia. Yeah. My wow. dad saw him. It was crazy. And it was funny because the very first time I met Nolan, he's in there with Dennis Laborio in the locker room and he, Dennis calls me in and I'm just a wreck. And so I'm talking to him and I go, you know, I'm talking, I go, yeah, Nolan, you you made your debut in my my hometown, Mary Virginia. Because yeah, I didn't like that place. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, thanks. So yeah, and that was and but but I mean, I, over the years, I got to spend more time. And uh, I remember, was it ninety six or ninety seven? I was I went through like six week just I stunk. I it, I don't know what it was. Couldn't get anybody out. Good, bad, didn't matter. And so Dirk and all those guys, they go, hey, oh, my God, we'll get him to Nolan. Nolan will fix him. He fixed Randy Johnson. So sure enough, I get a phone call from Nolan. And you getting a phone call from Nolan is like, you know, hey, this is Nolan Ryan. Like, and then when you walk up to him, hey, I'm Nolan Ryan. Like, that, he's sitting here like, okay. And so and I'm like, I'm William Edward Wagner. That's who I feel like I, I need to tell you who I am and what's my date. But I go out and he goes, I'd like you to come out to uh, Alvin, Texas and – we're, I'm going to look at you and watch you throw and whatever. So we're still there in the season. <clears throat> it, it's like 10 o'clock in the morning. I come out and I got Donnie Wall. Donnie Wall is going to catch me. 
there's, or I think he's with me and there's, we weren't sure if there's going to be a catcher. So he comes in sure enough, I'm playing catch. No, I'm playing catch with Nolan. Nolan said, so I'm throwing with Nolan. I'm sitting here the whole time. Oh my God. That's Nolan Ryan. And I, Don't I, short I, hop him. Oh my God. No, heck no. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, that was traumatic enough. And so he goes, all right, get up on the mound, see what you got. And I mean, it never took me long to get loose anyway, but I was throwing rockets. <laughs> That's the first time I was like, oh, my God, I've got good stuff at 10 o'clock. And so, <laughs> and so he looks at me, and I mean, literally, I threw him 10 pitches. And he goes, oh, hell, kid, you're good. And that was all he said. So I go back to that. The that was it. Astrodome. What's that? That was it. And that was it. And he goes, and he goes, thanks uh, for coming. So he calls, he calls, um, Durker and him goes, Oh, he's good. And so of course they put me in that night. I think I give up a run, you know, I punch out, I punch out three, I give up a run, but they're like, Oh, he's back. He's back <laughs> and stuff. And it was sort of like when, uh, it was funny because it's sort of like when Randy Johnson came in and I came back and they're like, Oh, you need to talk to uh, Randy about his slider. I go up and I go, Hey Randy. Hey, Hey, you know, hey, show me how you drip. Can you help me work on this? And he goes, I hold it like this. All right. Okay, good. Good talk. Yeah, got it. <laughs> and I think 99, I end up having this really good year, breaking balls real good. All of a sudden, Randy Johnson's like, yeah, I worked with him. And I'm like, Showed him my slider. I'm like, are you kidding me? He owes everything to me. Randy Johnson's over here trying to go, yeah, we, we worked on that. And I'm like, dude, you your back was hurt. You're laying in the dang. I mean, he's laying down. He couldn't throw all the time. His back was hurt. Go out, pitch eight innings, punch out 20. Ugh, I can't finish that last one. My back's hurt. Get him wax. That's what I told him. I was like, what? You know, paid all this money. But it was funny. But, I mean, but really, Nolan was just, I mean, even, I think, two years ago when I came in and, I threw out the first pitch and uh, I walk in and, you know, it's something to see Baggy and Biz. I mean, they're still those iconic figures, but I walk in and there's, there's Nolan. And I've met Nolan a hundred times. Hey, Nolan Ryan. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, he's just such an awesome person though. I, you know, and you know, he never asked me about, he never asked me silly stuff. He always, it's like, Hey, you gang, how's them cows doing? You know, it's always about farmer. Well, mm-hmm. So it's great. So it's, it's, he puts you at ease a little bit more now. Yeah. Nothing like a couple of ball players talking about beef before baseball, but <laughs> Hey, I get traded over in Oh two and I become a part of the Astros and I'm playing third base and I'm getting, I'm getting to realize what Houston summers are like, you know, 105 humidity, you know, sweating bullets. And I want to know something when you came into games, <clears throat> I'd be standing at third base and all of a sudden, I would feel this whoosh on the right-hand side of me when we were playing at Minute Maid Park. And it was, it, it was every ounce of humidity outside the stadium that just came rushing in and took me out as you came into games. Did you have any control over that, or is that something you wanted? No. Nobody good wanted Lord, that. Lord, that's good uh, to know, be, because for the I entire would... time we played together, I blamed you for that. Well, good. You know what? Because I was sitting there and I was like, who? And I remember talking to Drayton about that. And Drayton goes, well, I promised the city of Houston we were going to have outdoor baseball. I'm like, holy. I said, all righty. I went from 5'10 each game. I'm back to 5'8. I was going to say, you pitched one inning and you lost the most weight of anybody on the team. Uh, I, I remember just being drenched and just feeling like I'd done. And, you know, bagging them were looking at me like, I've just played nine nine innings. 162 games, nine innings. And I'm great. And I'm like, 
Good. <laughs> pouring sweat. I just, just, I don't know why they did that, but that's what Drayden always okay. told me. Well, I promised them outdoor baseball. Well, that's good. We can be friends again. I, I, yeah. I just thought it cracked me up. I'm like, why is Billy asking for the roof to be open, man? Is the ball not travel as well or what's going on? Oh, yeah. Uh, the balls yeah. have been hit off me. They travel well. <laughs> they travel well. Shut up, dude. Yeah, like, hit that ball. Did. Who did you hate facing? Was Piazza one of the worst? No. Well, I, well, I'll be honest with you. It's a, like Osmus, like, uh, like uh, you, like uh, Eckstein, like guys that, yeah, if you made a mistake, they could, they could do some damage, but – I mean, they eight, nine fell off battling it. All of a sudden, base hit, you're out there going, holy cow. Now, now that guy comes back around and you've done 25 pitches and you're starting to fill it in 105 degree, you know, 200 degree humidity. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. But that, that, those were the guys. Miguel Oliva wore me out. Oh my oh, God. Man. I'm like, he would wear me. These guys would wear me out. But, so you know, I know some of the bigger guys like Mac and, um, uh, Barry and so, so uh, a lot. those guys, they, those two got me, but one for five. So I was never like, here we go. I mean, it was, I, I enjoyed that because it was really a win win for me. I mean, I remember uh, coming in one time and uh, Reggie Jackson asked me, he goes, he come in the dugout and he saw me, he goes, Hey, Wax. And I go, Hey, Reggie Jackson, oh my God. And he goes, He did this one time. I said, one time, he goes, I'd like to face you one time. And he goes, now, you'd probably strike me out nine out of ten times because one time. I'm like, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> but, I mean, it was pretty cool. I mean, you know, so, yeah. you know, I, I like that guy. I like, hey, power on power. And, I mean, when McGuire took me so deep, he almost took me out of Bush Stadium. I mean, it literally hit like the first or second row from going out. You know, I come in, and we just lost the game, and, Biggio's going, oh, my God, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, you're like, really? That's, that's, I mean, and Bagwell's going, hey, let me forearm bash you. I'm like, what? what, what, what? Those guys are special. Oh, they are. And, you, and you're sitting there going, you know, and so it was great when Kerry Woods, like, dominated them. I was like, Kerry was awesome. I'm getting a sign ball, and I'm in the clubhouse. He was so awesome. Oh, that was so cool. And they're, like, so pissed. You know, you've got the death stare from Bagwell, and you've got Biggio mm-hmm. walking around like he's going to kill somebody. It was awesome. So I, I love being able to sit there and just give it right back to him. Hey, I got one more question before I'm going to throw it to Sparky, but it was 2003, and we're in Yankee Stadium. Royo comes out of uh, the game in the first inning, and we proceed to go through almost our entire bullpen to get to you to close out a game that we had in hand. <laughs> and you close this game out on a ground ball to Baggy. It's one more out needed for history. I can't tell if these fans are rising to support Matsui to try to break it up or if they want to see it happen. Bagwell to Wagner, and there it is! A no-header for the Astros with six different pitchers combining their first ever win in Yankee Stadium. It's a no-hitter shared by six hurlers. How about that? If that isn't perfect, the guys come out of the pen and pitch no-hit baseball. Unbelievable. And this time it's Billy Wagner with the final three outs and a 13-strikeout night for the Astros' stand. You're fist-pumping, and Baggy's kind of looking at you like, you know, what's wrong with this guy, man? We're a big deal, you know? And tell me how that conversation went, because I tell the story all the time on air because it's so fascinating to people that – some of us have no idea that no hitter even happened until the end of the game. But this does no hitter, either, right? This I had no idea. No, you know I'm out there, and I mean I am hyped out of my mind, and I am just pumping, 
ground ball to baggy. I'm sprinting my, I'm blowing hamstrings out to get over. I get the ball and I'm like this, like this. Baggy looks at me, he's like, I'm need. I'm good. And I go, you dumbass, it's a no hitter. <laughs> no hitter. And he's looking, he's looking at me like, what? I was so, I was so bad. It was the biggest downer. I'm like, what? This is a no hitter in Yankee Stadium. It's never been done. It hadn't been done in 56 years. And yeah. it's so funny because the, that night they were telling us about all these stories about the ghosts in the outfield and, and stuff. And so I'm like, shoot. And so all of a sudden I'm out there and I mean, Jimmy Williams is calling down. Hey, you want this inning? I'm like, hell yeah. Well, I'm up before he's even calling. I'm like picking phone. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> and, and so, you know, Dotel, Lidge, me. I mean, there was no doubt this was going to, we were going to have this opportunity. And so, uh, but it was just so funny. I remember looking, have, and Jeff Kent, you know, you had the, I mean, you've got these guys that are acting like, oh, it's no big deal. And it was such a, a killer. And then they come in and Barry Waters has got, uh, champagne, champagne. And, and everybody's like walking around like why what, what's, what's the big deal here and you know and it was so short-lived because it was a night game and of course a one o'clock game we have a one mm-hmm. o'clock game i don't think i got to bed till like four and i remember <laughs> getting up going to the and i literally we had an interview at like nine o'clock we're sitting here doing it and uh that I mean, everybody's pitched, and everybody had pitched that night. That night had to come in the next day, except me. <laughs> they wore it. Everybody oh, was my. available. Oh, they got more. I mean, everybody gave up a run. Everybody gave. It was like one of those things. And I was sitting in. I was sitting out there, just go, "Oh God, don't put me. Oh God, don't put me in." <laughs> I, hey, I called Brent Strom, uh, the Astros pitching coach, about an hour ago, and I said, "Hey, give me. I'm, I'm going to talk to Billy. Give me. Give me a story." He goes, I'll tell you one. I'm, I'm not sure if Billy knows or, or not, but it was in 1995. He was your pitching coach in Tucson. Mm-hmm. And you were a starting pitcher. You mentioned that a while ago uh, after you were drafted. And he said that team was going to the playoffs. He had to call the farm director to get more baseballs. Did, did you know about this? Mm. So he calls Fred Nelson, I believe it was, says, hey, we need some more baseballs for the playoffs. He goes, what? What are you talking about? We don't have that in the budget. Why don't, why don't you guys have baseballs? Are you giving away? He goes, no, the first rounder you sent me doesn't have a breaking ball. He can't put anybody away. And he's got 110 pitches through four and a third every time he pitches. <laughs> and they foul off every one of these pearls. We <laughs> <laughs> do baseballs because of Billy Wagner. Oh, without a doubt. So the question is, when did you pick up the breaking ball? Because that was obviously the difference maker. Well, I had a curveball. I just okay. couldn't throw. I mean, I had a hammer curveball, but I, I, it was one of those you'd like throw it super hard, super short, and it's like, oh, I can't swing at it. I never got anybody to swing it. If I threw a first strike, it was a, oh, wow, okay, good. <laughs> I, and so that was really, I mean, I went to the big leagues with one pitch and the, and this sometime curveball. And uh, Jerry Hunsinger is the one that said, listen, <laughs> we're in Dodger Stadium. I gave him a home run to Raul Mondesi on back to back to back curveballs. Wow. wow. And, uh, uh, he comes in and Jerry's furious. He's right in my face and he's like, no more curveballs. You're throwing a slider. I go, I don't know how to throw a slider. You figure it out. Really? We're in the middle of the season. I'm like, okay. Who, Mike Magnati's who taught me how to throw a slider. No kidding. Mike Magnati. And so I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm looking around. Mags is sitting beside me going, <laughs> he goes, well, I mean, it was just awful. And then kind of Lidge kind of helped me kind of, get a little bit better, but it was, but it was, uh, yes. I mean, when I was in college, 
I mean, it was nothing for me to throw 150 to 175 pitches a game. Absolutely not an issue, not a problem. And, and so, I mean, it, but yeah, I can, I can definitely believe that without a doubt. Cause uh, there was many a game where I'm like eight, nine pitches a batter. You know, I, I think when you first broke into the big leagues, we can figure out who your mentors were because you had a lot of veterans, Dre Beck, Swindell, Danny Darwin, I think, Brokale, uh, some oh, of these boy. guys. But once you got to the latter stages of, of your career, what were you telling guys? What were you teaching some of the guys to, to, to pitch in the ninth inning? Don't, don't forget about Xavier Hernandez. Oh, yeah, Xavier. Xavier Hernandez was a huge influence on me. He, okay. You know, um, Mike Maddox was a huge influence on me. Because a lot of times a closer feels like he has to be 100% to be effective. Hey, you know who else is on that team? Julian Morales' father-in-law, Terry oh. Clark. Terry Clark is on that team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. TC. Yep. Holy cow. Okay, so what did X teach you besides scuffing? Uh, accountability. <laughs> Huge accountability. Uh, okay. He was – I mean, when I took over as a closer, he, he said – I mean, he pulled me to the side and he goes, you know, these are the things I want you to do. Win, lose, or draw. You'll be at your locker. I'll have a towel, a water, and a beer for you. You'll wow. answer your questions. And it'll be, um, if, if we win, it's us, team. Uh, if we lose, it's me and I. It's, mm. He goes, you, you always will say that. And so for the whole season, I come in, good, bad, whatever. He's sitting there, and he's like standing right there. Wow. Making sure I did what I did. And Danny Darwin, holy God, scary, scariest man I've ever gets brought to Houston. And the very first thing he tells me, he walks up on me. He's 110 years old. Yeah. <laughs> looks down on me and goes, you do your job and I'll do mine. And don't you worry about anything else. I'm like, yes, sir. I mean, he, I'm like, I'm 25 years old looking at Yes, sir. And he's 40. So I'm like, yes, sir. What I learned from them was just humility um, and, and taking the ball every day, good, bad, or whatever, you know, you were never going to feel hundred percent. And what made you as a character, what the character you wanted to show was I'll take the ball. I'm going to go out there with 80% or 70% or whatever I got to do and compete. And, and, you know, as a, as a pitcher, you went out there so many times with your B and C stuff and, you know, mm -hmm. found a way to get these people out. But I had Kimbrell and uh, John Venters and uh, it was easy to tell those guys like, Hey, Right now, it's going to be really easy. Nobody's seen you. Things are going to look really easy. But there's going to be a part, you know, in that fourth to fifth year where you're going to have to figure out who are you. You have to figure out the character and the, you know, that will separate you. But these are the words. This game's hard. And you got to remember this game's hard. Everybody goes through that, don't they? And, and, you, ha and you know what? The good ones are the ones that make their way out the other side. Mm -hmm. And it's really the ones who sit there and figure out that – Hey, I can do this. And, and, and you got, you know, you got to have a support group. And I had a, I've been blessed all my life with people like Mike Magnani, Donnie wall, uh, Jay Powell, Scott Ellerton that were in that bullpen would sit there and, and could, could talk. You could bounce Doug Henry, guys like that, that you could have Peter Moylan, uh, uh, Tim Worrell, Roberto Hernandez, Tom Gordon, Mike Williams. These guys were always around me to sit there and go, Hey, I got you. I mean, there was teams when I was in, uh, Houston, where we had Mike Wayans, Flash Gordon, Lidge, Dotel, myself, Mike Jackson. I mean, there was a time we had six closers sitting in the bullpen, and, and you're sitting here looking around going, oh, I mean, how do you lose? 
Yeah. But they taught me some things of how to, you know, weather the storms and, and, you know, not, not every time was, you know, there's, there's some things I wish I could have taken back, but there's nothing I regret when I got on the field. If I regretted some of the things I said between the time I got traded in Houston to the time I was in Philly. I think those are the times that I regret because I was so immature and I said some things that were, came out to be very selfish and, and egotistical, but it was really so far. I was so upset that I got traded from Houston because I really thought I was never leaving Houston. I really, I was sitting here, I'm looking at my numbers in Houston going, I'm underpaid and I'm going to stay here for all my life. And then Derry Hunsinger walks down and says, Hey, Drayton thinks we should trade you. He told me at the day before our last game, so I'm like, oh, what? And I just was just so crushed. I was so crushed. And so uh, I think those are the things that you know, now I talk to guys. That when I talk to pro guys, I sit there and go, listen, these are things you don't want to do. This is – and so, you know, I, I've learned a lot. I'm matured. And, I, and that's why being a high school coach fits me because I can go, hey, I can show you how not to do a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. And so, and, you know, be, being a mentor means you've had to fail enough to learn to teach somebody how to, to do it the right way. And so, you know, I've been blessed with a lot of great people around me. I wouldn't even have a chance if it weren't for the, you, all you guys, even you, Blummer. <laughs> hey, for, for a brief moment in time, it was a lot of fun playing behind you, dude. Even you, Blummer. I like that comment. He even that on you, purpose, Blummer. Man. He did do that on purpose. I felt like that was All a slight. All my friends say that. Even you, Blummer. <laughs> I'm used to it. So that's very telling. I mean, I, I love the fact that Billy Wagner just leaves it all out there. He doesn't oh, shy man. away from, like, I want to be in the Hall of Fame. And he's not shy, and I love that. He hasn't that. been shy about anything in his life. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you didn't have a chance to play with him. I was with him in 0203 when I was playing here, and can't remember. I, th I think it was 2003 when we were we were going for the National League Central uh, against the Cubs, and we were expecting a big move to be made at the trade deadline because we were just one arm away from actually solidifying a rotation and kind yeah. of moving forward. You know, that was the dawn of Octavio Dotel, Brad Lidge, and then Billy Wagner. There I mean, we were starting to shut games down with yeah. big-time arms. And, I, you know, I think it was Randy Wolf we got, and, and Billy Wagner was like, I got something to say. <laughs> he stood up and he said, that's kind of, what are we doing? He goes, we need to go out and get people. He's a guy, but we need we need big time arms. And he wasn't afraid to say anything to Drayton. He wasn't any, afraid to say anything to the media. But those guys, that those are the guys that hold you accountable and expect the most out of you in the clubhouse. And that's what I appreciated about Billy. And that's really what I learned the two years I was here with the Houston Astros to begin with. Boy, he was something else. And a lot of times we talk about the eye test. <laughs> and we just kind of knew it uh, when oh, we were man. playing. There's certain guys, and I honestly felt this, and I'm not just saying this because he was our guest or that we were talking to him. Billy Wagner was a Hall of Famer, man. That yeah. guy closed it out, and he was intimidating, and he was one of the 1% best that we've ever seen. Absolutely. You know, I told you I had the luxury of playing behind Trevor Hoffman, and that was one guy that you knew when he came into the ball game, the game yeah. was over. And, those, and you know, I'm with you. The first three years I was in the big leagues having to face those guys, right. that's where that fear was instilled. But playing behind them, you started to understand a little bit more on how the process kind of came about and why they were so good. Uh, was that 40 or 50 wings you just scarfed down, Blummer? <laughs> that is so not in, uh, intelligible that it just sounds exactly like one of your broadcasts with, with TK. Hey. Very good. 
All right, for Jeff Blum, I'm Steve Sparks. Astroline, the official off-season hot stove show for your Houston Astros. Share the excitement of Astros baseball all season long with 2024 Astros season tickets. When you buy season tickets, you lock in access to 2024 opening day tickets versus the New York Yankees, postseason tickets, and every game in between. That's all the plays, all the giveaways, and all the excitement. All live from your seats at Minute Maid Park. For all the great benefits of being an Astros season ticket holder and to secure your seats, visit Astros.com slash season tickets or call 713-259-8402 today. Larry Durker joining us. Dirk has been a part of Billy Wagner's career uh, since he was a broadcaster uh, when Wags broke in all the way through managing him from uh, 97 through 2001. Uh, Dirk, Billy Wagner, uh, Got a lot of votes this time around in the Hall of Fame. He's now up over 50%. What are your thoughts about Wags potentially being a Hall of Famer uh, somewhere in the near future? I think Billy should be a Hall of Fame pitcher. I think the best way I can put that um, in perspective is my first year managing Bill Verdon was my bench coach. He played in the 50s when the closer wasn't such a big deal. And then he managed in the 70s and 80s when it became important to have somebody to pitch the ninth inning. So he said to me in 1997, my first year to manage, I've come to the conclusion that the closer is the most important player on every team. If you get to the ninth inning with a lead, it's a body blow if you don't win the game. And with Billy Wagner's percentage of success rate, with his ERA, um, with his total number of saves, and in comparison to all the closers that are in the Hall of Fame now and those who aren't in yet, uh, I think he's the next guy. And I think there's a few more of them behind him that should make it too. It's just such an important role. And maybe the writers don't give it uh, such emphasis in, in terms of how important it is, but there's more, a lot more starters in the Hall of Fame than there are relievers. And um, Billy was certainly one of the greats during his entire career, very consistent year after year after year. Dirk, as a manager, and you're right, relievers have not gotten much play in the Hall of Fame. It took Lee Smith an inordinate amount of time before he was finally voted in. But as a manager, how did that help you when you had that guy in the ninth inning or even the guy setting up for that ninth inning to help you work uh, backwards in the game, if you would? I think uh, having Billy Wagner uh, gave us – uh, a great de- degree of comfort. And really, I, I think the psychological aspect uh, of baseball when it comes to winning, it comes, uh, this, it comes to, to a head in the ninth inning. If you don't have a guy that can pitch the ninth inning and preserve the win a very high percentage of the time, the entire team is affected, not just the manager, all the guys standing around in the, uh, in the field behind them. Everybody uh, is counting on this guy uh, to do that job. Maybe it's analogous, probably not so. It's more important than a place kicker. But how many uh, football games are decided in the last moments by the place kicker? And, you know, all the other guys get it to that point, but then the guy kicks it through and you win the game. Uh, it's kind of like that with the closer, but the closer is even more important because you have so many more games in baseball and you have to get through the whole season that way if you don't have a a a good closer you're not going to postseason uh final thing dirk every closer has a unique personality when you think back on billy wagner and hopefully he will be a hall of famer sooner than later 
uh, what thoughts come to your mind, not just as a pitcher, but as a person? Billy uh, was such a great competitor. Um, he was aggressive. Uh, he was confident. Uh, and you could, you could read that if you're in the dugout looking at him, and the other team could too. Uh, certainly the guy standing in the batter's box. Uh, he was an intimidating pitcher. He was a strikeout pitcher, and uh, everybody knew what they were going to get. He had a breaking ball, but mostly he was known for throwing hard. Um, and he was just critical to us, and not just us, because he had the 200 and some saves with the Astros, but he got 200 more after he left the Astros. Uh, he was just one of the very best of his era. And um, as I said, I, sometimes I think uh, closers don't get enough credit with the people that vote. And a lot of us who have played question a lot of the votes, not just the closers, but uh, others that um, – we're in. For, for example, for me, uh, I'm not sure I put Big Poppy in there on the first um, ballot. He only played 200 and some games at first base. He played 2,000 games as DH, so he was really only half a player in my mind. And so I don't know if the writers really consider defense, although they certainly did with Brooks Robinson. He's in there, and most of the third basemen that are in the Hall of Fame are much better hitters. So I, I don't really, I, I can't figure out what they're thinking. They probably couldn't figure out what I'm thinking either. <laughs> Are you looking for the perfect gift this holiday season? Look no further than the Astros Holiday Gift Guide. Give the gift of unforgettable moments throughout the year with Buddies Club memberships, 2024 season tickets, and tickets to the 2024 Texas Children's Houston Open. And don't forget to gear up in style at the Astros Team Store. From jerseys to caps, we've got you covered. So this holiday season, hit a home run with the Astros Holiday Gift Guide. Head to astros.com slash gift guide to do your holiday shopping today.